Well, good morning, everybody. Ah, Kings, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, love this church. Love being here. Uh, um, if you weren't here last week, with this, so this is the second one on uh, this episode in Jonah's life. And if you weren't here last week, I'm, I'm just going to do a, I'm just going to just just do a skeleton view of chapter one. But you, I really would encourage you to download last week. Uh, Ron spoke, and that'll fill in all the holes for you. But I do recognize that if you weren't here at chapter one, and we just suddenly dive into chapter two, you'll wonder, what is all that about? So um, before I get there, um, let me just give you a, a brief overview, and then we'll crack into chapter two. This man, Jonah, is well regarded. He, he's well known. Uh, He's, he's authentic. He's, a, he's, known, he's known as a prophet. That's one who hears from God, speaks it out, it happens. This is Jonah. He is authentic. Nothing flaky. You hear about certain men of God, you think, I'm not sure about that. Nothing flaky. This man is the genuine article. He has a proven track record. And this whole episode of Jonah 1, 2, 3, and 4, the First, these four chapters, it all starts with a, it just starts with a moment, isn't it? Just suddenly, it's what I call a suddenly moment, out of the blue, his whole world changes. Now, you and I have those moments. If you haven't, you will. Those moments come. They may be good moments, they may not be very good moments, and suddenly our whole world has changed. But this one is clearly orchestrated by the Lord. And God has a new direction for Jonah's life. And the direction is he wants him to go to Nineveh. Now, that's why I encourage you to download Ron's sermon because you know, it really fills you in with all the details about Nineveh. So Nineveh is the capital city of an emerging empire called Assyria. This is a ruthless, violent regime. Make no bones about it. Absolutely. And God calls him there. So Noah, um, so Jonah, that's a sudden flick, isn't it? Okay. So uh, Jonah decides that he is not going there. He's not going to this nation. I'm not going to do this. And he gets on a boat from Joppa. And he goes in the exact opposite direction, if ever you could do that. And he goes as far away as is known in that world, he goes as far away as possible in the opposite direction to Nineveh. In other words, he is not going. And yes, he's heard the call, and he is unimpressed. I am not doing that. So, um, this is what happens, you know. When God speaks to you and like this, he breaks into Jonah's world. And he uncovers all his bigotry and all his prejudice. And he uncovers his lack of compassion. It's suddenly all laid bare. And do you know what? We all have it. But we just don't know it. We all have it. For you, it may be BMW drivers. Just can't stand BMW. They always do this. Or it might be a white van driver. It might be one of those. Or, listen, or it might be another nationality. Or the color of skin. 
There's a prejudice and bigotry. It seeps through in us. And most of the time we are utterly unaware. We tarnish people with a, a, a general brush and we say, they and they're all like this. And this suddenly is uncovered in an instant in Jonah's life. So he gets in this boat. There's a great storm. And they realize that the storm is really about Jonah. The sailors throw him overboard. And that's the part that we reach to here. So we're in Jonah chapter 2. We're going to pick up right at the last verse of chapter 1. And then we'll dive into the passage. So Jonah 1 verse 17. And then into chapter 2. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And from the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me, and all your waves and Waves and breakers swept over you, over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you... Brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. I don't know about you, but whatever, whatever way you look at this, as far as I understand, there's not a lot to do inside a fish. I just, listen, I've done scuba diving. I've never arrived at this place. Um, you know, I've done many things, but I've never sat inside a fish. I, I'm, this, I, so I have no experience. The only thing I can imagine is it is incredibly dark. Apart from the smell, apart from the smell, it is incredibly dark. I don't think he can see one, I don't think he can see his hand in front of his face. There's no Wi-Fi, by the way. No distractions. He didn't bring his Kindle, mobile phone. It's just a waste of time. There is nothing to do in the inside of a fish. That's as I understand it. There's nowhere to go. And that's exactly the point. So finally, Jonah's life has ground to a halt. And all his movement has stopped. And now, God has his full attention. I just want to put a map of um, High Wycombe up on here. And... Um, You know, me with gadgets, it's like a, it's like a disaster zone. So let, let's hope we get there. But uh, imagine 
imagine uh, you are a visitor to High Wycombe. Just, just imagine. And it's the first time you have ever been there. You've never been there before. You're somehow dumped into High Wycombe and, and you have a map. And uh, you come up to me in the street and you show me the map and you say to me, I need two vital pieces of information. I, I need to know... I need to know where I'm going. So, I, he tell, the person comes up to me and he tells me, I'm, I want to know where Wickham Museum is. Wickham Museum. Most of you probably didn't know there's a museum in Wickham, by the way. But, but okay, well, now you know. Now you know. I went there with my grandchildren. I would stop it, Neil. Anyway, um, Wickham Museum is here. Now, I can show them on the map, that's Wicker Museum, that's where you need to get to. But you need two pieces of information. What's the other one? Where am I? Oh, he was so bright. It's brilliant. See, the destination is no good to you if you don't know where you are. And that's really crucial. If we want change, and we want transformation, and we want to be changed by Jesus... He will have to tell us where we are. Because sometimes we haven't a clue. We have not a clue. And so I want to pick up on three points this morning. You need to know where you are. And you need to know how to grow. And you need, you need to know evidence of growth. You need the evidence of growth. So let's start with this first one. You need to know where you are. You need to know where you are. So, this episode of four chapters, it's bursting with the whole theme and essence of bigness. So, hence you get a great city, a great storm, great fear, great fish, great displeasure. Somebody said that in, in, the, in the four chapters of Jonah... The, word, the Hebrew word for big is used 14 times. 14 times. My friends, you lose sight of the bigness of God when you're consumed with the smallness of yourself. You just lose the sight of it. When everything revolves around you, Jonah is seriously derailed. derailed. Absolutely seriously derailed. He has no clue where he is. Why? Because life is all about him. When we were in uh, Kathmandu in the autumn uh, with Ron and Joy, it was last day, and we did shopping. What else would you do in Kathmandu on the last day? We did shopping, and we'd just come out of the shop. I have to understand the shops are a little bit different from what you expect here. Uh, they're just all in a row, and they're sort of pretty makeshift. And, and uh, we'd just come out, and there was this sort of pavement area, and I stepped out onto the pavement, and this man rushed to my feet. He just rushed to my feet. And so I was a little bit shocked. And uh, it, was, it was on my shoes. He put his hands on my shoes. And I thought, oh my goodness, what are you doing? And, um, and, and he, I didn't realize, I just didn't realize what was going on. And what it was, is he wanted to clean my shoes. That's all he wanted to do. Was he wanted to clean my shoes. And um, he, he was poorly clothed. They just hung off him. 
you could see he was poor, uh, but he wanted to clean my shoes. And I felt incredibly self-conscious. And, you know, I, <laughs> believe, you know, I'm not used to people being at my feet. I'm really not used to this. And, um, and I felt seriously self-conscious. I felt uncomfortable. And I'm, I, I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> just want to walk away from this. This is just out of my comfort zone. And, uh, and, he says, and, and he's insistent, he clean my shoes. And then Ron says to me, go on, let him clean your shoes. I still feel really uncomfortable. I said, no, 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 I just, <laughs> I'm going to move on. And then uh, Ron said, no, go on. He said, Ron said, I'll pay. Well, normally you think, well, that's great. <laughs> I mean, it's just... I mean, if Ron says he's going to pay, that's great. But that, was, that really was not the point. Payment was not the point. I felt so unconscious. And then Ron said this. It was a great little line. I've written it down here. He said, um, he's only trying to scratch a living. He's only trying to scratch a living. Let him clean your shoes. It just stopped me in my tracks. And suddenly life... Stop being about me, but started being about somebody else. It's a little thing, isn't it? But it, my, my small picture of me and my discomfort and my uncomfortability, in a moment, stopped. He's only trying to scratch a living. It's just a brilliant line. I let him clean my shoes. He did a great job. I've had the best. I had the best shoe shine I have ever had. It was terrific. It was really good. Jonah is absorbed with himself. He has no big picture in mind. He's caught up in his own little world. And this is a wonderful thing about this story. Is that God refuses to let him go. He just won't let him go. He pursues him. He pursues him. He just comes after him. You know, because he's the God who said, he who began a good work in you will what? Carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He just will not let you go. And he won't let this man Jonah go. He won't give up. You know, you could be walking in the opposite direction. Even this morning, I don't know, we have so many people coming out. I don't know all your stories. You could be right now walking in the opposite direction. Decide you come into Kings today. You've been walking in the opposite direction. You know you're going against God's will. And, and, and I'll tell you what, if you are his, he will, keep, he will stay with you because he has promised that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And you will find that the Holy Spirit will go, by the way, I'm here. And you will go to places where you don't want him to say, I am here. And still he will be here. Because he's promised never to leave you or forsake you. And this is the God that Jonah belongs to. And this is the God that we belong to. He will not let us go. Wherever we are. He is most wonderful. And that may be some of you today. I want to tell you. That is the most, it is the most empty and lifeless path to go on. And I can tell you that from experience because I have done that. Just don't. Today, you know, you can change. You can be hearing this and even now in your seat you can say, that's it. God, you've spoken to me. I, w- I just want to, that's it. I want to stop running away from you 
I'm going to give my life to you today. You can do that, right? This day. But it might not be as explicit as that. It might not be as obvious. Do you know it's possible to start out the Christian life wholeheartedly following Jesus. And then along the journey, instead of following, we can start to negotiate our terms and our conditions, which we never did in the first place. We wholeheartedly went. And then we find our lifestyles get compromised. And once, and things that were once not okay have suddenly slipped in. And guess what? Now they are okay. You see, it doesn't have to be as evident as somebody who is moving in the opposite direction. So blatantly, it can be little things that creep in. And suddenly it's not okay. I tell you, you're never at peace with God like this. It doesn't work. But I'll tell you this, he is utterly committed to blessing you. And he won't stop pursuing you. And it's more painful to fight and it's more painful, it's more painful to go against him. I tell you, he will challenge you. And he will challenge you until you cry out. And that is exactly what Jonah does. In the belly of this fish, he cries out. My friends, God will use your circumstances and situations to get your attention. C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and he's well known for that. But he also wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And he said this. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures and speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse rouse a deaf world. And here Jonah is in this darkness. And God will do whatever it takes because he loves Jonah so much. He wants to catch his attention. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I have family life and the children are there and they're sitting around watching the TV. And you walk in the room and say, hi guys, just need your attention a moment. And it's like you don't exist. You know, I don't, I'm sure none of you experienced this, but this has happened to me, you know. And uh, they're sitting there watching the TV, and come on, I just need your attention. Not a bean, not a movement. And then you go and switch off the TV. Oh, I get their attention then. Hey, wait, what are you doing? Hey, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? God has got Jonah's attention. And you need to know where you are. And finally has his attention. And so you need to grow. Where does Jonah go from here? You need to grow. This week Des and I were watching a film called The Field of Dreams. It's the first time I've watched it all the way through. Has anybody seen the film? Just, okay. It's, you think it's all about baseball and yet it isn't. And I watched the film and in the film which apparently stars quite a hero, Kevin Cosner or something like that, you know. And he, um, he's talking. He's in conversation. And he's talking about his dad. And his dad died years ago. And he's talking to this person about his dad. And he, has, he says, I wanted to come home, but I didn't know how. His life with his dad had broken down. And, um, and they had this sort of, broken relationship 
He said, I wanted to come home, but I didn't know how. And when that came over the screen, it was like, whoa. I thought, how many relationships are like that? I wanted to come home, but I didn't know how. So what does he do? What does Jonah do? This is very simple, you'll find. The first thing he does is pray. He prays. Look, in my distress, verse 2, I called to the Lord. He prays. Prayer, my friends, is quite simply talking to God. Oddly enough, many people struggle to pray because they're focusing on praying and not on God. So they, they struggle with this. Let me say, it's like trying to drive looking at the windscreen instead of looking through it. Jonah prays. And he says, he answered me. He listened to my cry. He begins to pray. He starts a conversation. Contact reestablished. Someone noted this. There's ten verses of his prayer. And not once does he ask to get out the fish. Not once does he ask, come on, change my situation. You got me in here. Get me out. Not once does he do that. His, his prayer is so God-centered. It's changed. You don't go hunting for prayer experiences. Prayer isn't like that. Prayer isn't primarily about experiences. It's about getting to know your God, your Father. That's what it is. Yesterday, yesterday Des and I were chatting at the table over breakfast, and we were talking about this. And as we chatted and, and, and about other things too, I have to say, I'm sitting opposite Des, and I'm not looking for an experience. I didn't have one either, and neither did she. But we just enjoyed one another's company. And prayer is a conversation with the Lord, and to enjoy his company, because he loves yours. He just loves your company. We often forget that God is a person. And he wants us to know him. And it's, this is a journey of a lifetime, my friends. It's not about a record of achievement in prayer. It's a journey of a lifetime. You come to him, the real you, the messy you. You come to him with your mind in half a dozen places at once. You must have done that. Just come like that. But whatever you do, come and speak. Jesus said this about prayer. He said, when you pray, what did he say? When you pray, what's the next word? Say. I never spotted that until this week. When you pray, say, our Father. Get the words out. Get the words out. Say, Neil, this is so simple. I should have gone to somebody else's seminar. My friends, this is, this is the first place it stops. We can have all these conversations with God in our head. But Jesus said, when you pray, say. You have to speak it out. You use words. Get the words out. Tell him. He loves hearing your voice. Speak to him. You need to know how to grow. Pray. Pray. It's the first thing, my friends, that goes is prayer.
And it becomes very formalized. But Jonah prays. And I want you to see what happens when he prays. Because one minute he's desperate. And then the next minute everything changes. And faith comes. And as he's, this faith comes. Listen, look at this. This is a different man to chapter one. It's faith, my friends. It's a gift. Look. Look how assured he becomes. I've been banished from your sight yet. I will look again towards your holy temple. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. Faith is... Faith, he starts to speak to God and then, I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to be in that holy temple. I'm going there again. And his faith rises. Faith allows you to stand before a holy God. Forgiven people, every stain and every blemish of your life wiped clean, able to stand before him, right in his sight. How does he do that? He does it so wonderfully for you and me. He gives us confidence to enter the most holy place, his presence. He gives us confidence to do that. You're justified, made right. And every Sunday, you know, we stand here and we sing glorious, glorious truths. How do we do that? By faith. And that is a gift of God. (sighs) Hallelujah. It's a great gift. Excuse my excitement. It's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. So use it. And speak. And worship. In chapter 4, he's going to walk into Nineveh with a message of eight words. Eight words. Forty days and Nineveh will be overturned. Where did he get faith in the chapter 4? Where did he get his faith in, in chapter 4? He got it here in the inside of this fish. That's where he got it. This is where his faith started. You need to know how to grow. Easter Day will be a church of two sites. One here, one in Hazelmere. Why do we do this? I mean, it's upheaval. You've got a blue form in your grapevines today. It's a stretch. And we're going to touch on that at the end of the meeting, by the way. And, uh, and we do that because God has spoken to us. He's put faith in our hearts. When he spoke to us, he put a prophetic word over us. I have many people in this place. God hasn't finished with Wickham. God hasn't even started with Wickham. We're going to see the best days of Wickham. They are yet to come, my friends. Amen? They are yet to come. I have many people in this place. We better get hold of that. We need to get hold of that. Faith comes. We'll be a church of two sites. and we just, It's not, not just about numbers. No, we're going to grow in faith. We're going to grow in faith and we're going to grow in uh, obedience. We're going to grow in serving. We're going to grow in our love for others. Why would we go through all the hassle of this? It's for others, my friends. We grow in faith. We do this because God has called us. I have many people in this place. So we step out in faith. Also, how else do we grow? We grow in grace. So the key to his prayer is in verse 8 and 9. Somebody said you got the whole, (laughs) you got a summary of the whole Bible in these two verses. Verses 8 and 9. Those who cling to worthless idols will forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You know, the way in is grace. 
And the promise is, salvation is of the Lord. It isn't that Jonah didn't know God's grace. But I think now he knows it more than he's ever known it. And in his prayer, Jonah doesn't speak about returning to Jerusalem. It's unusual for a Jew. He speaks about the temple. Do you notice that? He doesn't talk about Jerusalem. He talks about this temple. Why is that? Well, because the temple is the place of God's presence. And the temple is the place of sacrifice. And the temple is the place where you get forgiveness of sins. And he's talking about the temple. He knows what goes on in the temple. You know, the grace of God isn't free. I mean, it's free, but it isn't cheap. It costs. And at the temple, if you have sinned, you bring your animal for sacrifice, and you see blood spilt, and you walk in the stickiness of the blood, and you know that sin costs. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me it's cheap. It costs. But for you and me, it's not about the temple. For you and me, it's one who went to the cross for us. It's the grace of God who went to the cross. We don't have an animal sacrifice. It's God who has given himself for us. Jesus on the cross dying for us. His blood makes the foulest clean. So don't let's lose the wonder, please, of the cross. It's not just that my sins are forgiven, and that is marvelous. It's more than that. At the cross, you are made right. You can stand in God's presence confidently. You have access to him. You have access to him not on your account. You don't pull out your record. You pull out his. Jesus' record. This is why you can stand before the Father. Grace is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. I like that line. Tim Keller says that. Grace is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. So how do I grow in grace? How do I grow in faith? I grow in grace. Finally, evidences of change. What are the evidences of change? For this man, the walls of bigotry and prejudice... I tell you, they've broken down. This is a big thing for a Jew. You have to understand this. For a Jew to think anybody else can walk into a covenant with God from another nation, I mean, that is just that. That's the ends. And uh, and this nation, this nation of all nations, all is prejudice. It's going to come up again, by the way. As we go into chapter 3 and 4, you're going to see it. Of it comes. But here, at this point, all those walls are broken down. All his anti others have broken down. He says, But with a song of thanksgiving will I sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I love that, with a song of thanksgiving. So Jonah's demeanor has changed. This is called evidence of transformation, changed by Jesus. Fear has been eroded and faith has taken place. And he's going to do this. And you know, the love of God enables us to do that. You, my friends, are utterly, irrevocably loved by God. And he loves it. When you trust him and when you step out in faith, he loves it. So when you step out in faith, he loves that. If it's the first time and you've never responded to God and you make that step forward and say, you know... Lord, I'm going to follow you. He loves that. He loves it when you make that other step and you go, I'm going to be baptized. By the way, you don't need your name written all over this. You don't need a prophetic word about baptism. 
You don't need a dream about baptism. You should be baptized. It's just in there. All right? Believe and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. It's just what they did. Just follow him. It's, it's, no, it's not a problem. Go and make disciples baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not somebody, something that somebody, it's not somebody else's, somebody else's decision for you. It's yours. You make that decision. He loves it when you do this. He loves it when you tell people your story. What you, how did you become a Christian? What, what is all this thing about church? How do, he loves it when you step out in faith and tell your story. He loves it when you give. And you give and you say, Lord, I'm giving, and this is, I'm doing this in faith. I'm giving in faith. It's the evidence of the gospel. Let me wrap up at this moment now. Kings. I have to say, I loved your response to the whole aspect of multi-site. It's very, very positive. And you should know by now this will be a stretch. <laughs> It always is, you know, when we do things like this. It's always a stretch. Town center, Hazelmere, it's not about names on a list. It's not how many you have in each place. No, it's not, it's not the names. It's you, you in general. I'm not saying get this right every time, but in general. You have a reputation for warmth and welcome and serving others. We are doing this for others. It's the evidence of God's work among us. So as Rong pits up this whole matter of serving, and you've got that blue form in your grapevine, all I say is this. Bring everything you have. Town center, Hazelmere, come on. Bring everything you have. We have got others in mind. We have others who are going to come. We'll have others who will come into the town center and you will not know them. But they'll be coming because God will bring them. And there'll be others going into Hazelmere. And you will not know them but you'll be so, great to, you'll be so grateful to see them. Just come my friends. Whatever you do come and bring all that you have. This is never a time to hold back. Do you know what? I'll sit and I'll just watch everybody else do it. Don't do that. We cannot afford that. We are, this is a stretch and we need to stretch and bring whatever you had. The boy who had a lunch pack of five loaves and two fishes of whose name we haven't a clue. But he, all he did was bring his lunchbox and God did the rest. 5,000 people. That's a great meal. 12 basket loads filled up afterwards. He just brought what he had. The widow, she puts in, she just puts in a couple of pennies or whatever it is. She gives what she has. Doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't, just bring what you have. This is not the time to hold back. You do this. Come on. We're going to bring what we have. And whatever we do, God will honor that. And he will do wonderful things among us. Amen? He will. Jonah is, Jonah is into the call of God. Lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> and so are we. It is no different for us. Hallelujah.